0: Okay, be in prayer. What I want to do today, I've got a topic It's kind of a, like chapter 2. You may not remember this, but several weeks ago, maybe months, I've forgotten exactly the date, I preached a sermon on putting God first. If you want to get that on sermon audio, you can. I, heard, I listened to a, my last night myself. Putting God first, I had the text. was uh, Matthew 6.33. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. And I made a statement in that. Uh, one of my proof texts was... Over the one I'm going to preach on you today. I made the statement, I'll probably preach a sermon on this text today, and i, I want to do that. So my subject is the Christian Marathon, the Christian Marathon. And the verses will be Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, but I want to read several verses to get the context. The Christian Marathon. Let me say, first of all, our lives are depicted many times in the Bible as a race. It's a very serious race. And you know, life is not easy for a Christian. Life is not easy for anybody really. Uh, we live in a sinful world, and many of you have many problems, and we were greatly blessed. We still have problems, everybody got them, some more than others. And especially being a Christian in a hostile world is not easy, it never has been easy. So if you're having a real easy time, there's something wrong somewhere, <laughs> and it won't last long, I guarantee you that. But we're, we're, our lives are a race. You know what? It's not optional to run this race. You're running it right now, whether you know it or not. You're running a race. The question is not are you running a race, it's how are you running it. Don't wait until you get the goal line and say, Oh, oops, I wish I'd done better. Don't do that. At my age, as you know, I always regret my sins that I have not done things I should have done. And so I'm not totally in despair because I have tried to serve God, but I wish I'd done it better. And I tell you what, if you wait, you mess around with the end of your life and say, Oops, the finish line's almost here, you'll be very, very sorry. I want to read you first, before I get to my text, I want to read several scriptures that have to do with, with uh, our life being a race. and One of them is over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, so please pay attention. I'm going to do a lot of reading today, trying to get in too big a hurry, and hope it does have an impact on our lives. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. You're in a race, by the way, as I said. You're in a race. You don't know how long it's going to be either. I think I've got a few more years. I don't know whether I do or not. I may go before my brother does I don't know. We don't know. Stephen didn't have a very long race. Uh, some of the martyrs didn't have a long race one the man we buried here last week D- Noah's dear friend uh, he thought he had a long race ahead he did not so you don't know how long your race will be you need to be running it as well as you can it's very serious business being a Christian is not uh, just something as casual I'm not going to be a fanatic today I'm going to say some pretty tough stuff that I hope will have an impact but I'm not a fanatic I realize that let me tell you what I mean by that at camp we were teaching on prayer. And one of my subjects was intensity in prayer. And there are scriptures that teach intensity in prayer. I mean, a real intensity. Like the Syrophoenician woman. Like the woman who had an issue of blood. Like the woman with the unjust judge. And so, but, I, but I made this statement. There's a place for this, a big place for it. But you can't do this all the time. And I'll give you an example of that. When baby Jack was dying, uh, down and heirs baby, I went into an incredible mode of prayer, incredible mode. I cannot rest day and night. i made up my mind, I'm going to pray this way the rest of my life. It didn't last very long. It couldn't possibly last that long. I don't have the physical strength nor the spiritual strength to do that. But there are times when that's very, very appropriate. Well, the, What I'm going to talk to you about today is, you need to be serving God with all your might, but I don't want to be a fanatic. I want to be balanced as I can. I don't want to put you on a guilt trip, but I want you to be very, very serious for what I'm saying, though. Uh, so let's read now in 1 Corinthians that Paul thought it was very important to run this race with vigor and with uh, purpose. So let's read a few verses here in 1 Corinthians, chapter nine. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the pride, So run that you may obtain. How about that? So run that you may obtain. This is not just a casual race. You need to be so running you may obtain and every man that strives for the mastery and he's talking about wrestling here is temperate in all things he's self-controlled, he's training himself you got to have some training and you got to behave yourself in certain ways you're going to be successful in a race or in an athletic contest and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown we are incorruptible this is not talking about work salvation. It's talking about perseverance. I therefore so run nice uncertainty. How, are you running uncertainty today? I ask you that question. Are you running uncertainty? Kind of spurt here, spurt there. Uh, give God kind of a tip of the hat. Or consistently trying to serve him with all your might. As you get older, do ba- even better. We will be getting more sanctified and growing as we grow. Are you growing and grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ I ask you that question to consider I therefore so, so run so run not as uncertainty so fight I and this is talking about the those, I mean, those uh, uh, in the Coliseum boxing matches real serious stuff not, not even one that beat the air I'm not shadow boxing are you shadow boxing if you have some sin that's bothering you are you just kind of shadow boxing it or are you hitting to get rid of it you know those, those are Gladiators, they had you talking about you heard about brass knuckles? They had something even more than brass knuckles. When they hit somebody, it had an impact, maybe break a jaw. That's what we ought to be doing with our sins. Are you fighting or are you just shadow boxing? There have been times in my life I've shadow boxed, there have been times I have not shadow boxed. So I ask you about that. But I keep under my body, I've got some self-control over my body here. You know you're not your own, another scripture says in Corinthians letter. You're bought the price; therefore, glorify God in your spirit and in your bodies, which belong to the Lord. The body you've got, that God bought with his blood, belongs to Him. How are you using your body? I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I'm I'm, I'm controlling my body, not letting my body control me. That's a really hard work. Can't be done without the Holy Ghost. We have to be focused in that. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection that by, lest that by any means when I preach to others I myself should be a castaway. Paul did not want to be a castaway. Now he was not talking about going to hell. He's the one that wrote Romans 8, 38 39. But, so a child of God cannot lose his salvation but he can totally use his usefulness in the kingdom of God. The thing you ought to dread the most is the Lord won't use me anymore. As a minister and as a Christian that's the worst thing that can happen to me. If I'm on the shelf God won't use me anymore. But I tell you that can happen. And so Paul says, I mean business. I want to be in control that I don't want to be a castaway when I preach to others. Now another scripture or two uh, that had to do with this uh, race to, uh, the, the race. Let me give you another one here. Let's see. Y'all be patient. I'm not gonna be in a hurry today. This is an important message you gotta put on my heart. Uh how about Galatians chapter 5, verse 7? I think I got that written down here. Get this. All right. Paul's talking to the Galatians in verse 5, chapter 5, verse. You did run well. Who did hinder you? You should not obey the truth. They were sound and doctrine for a while. Then they dropped on the wayside. You're running well. Is anybody in that shape here today, I don't know. You did run well. Who did hinder you? You're not running well anymore. So we need to exhort each other, don't we? That's one reason we had to be good church members exhort each other. When we see somebody driving by the wayside, getting weak, we need to in a kind way exhort one another. That's I'm glad we meet together, aren't you? It does me be good when I get with you. Just being with you makes me want to do better. And when somebody talks to me, if I am flipping, what a blessing that really is. And then over to Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I had not reached the goal yet. He's heading for the goal. Paul was heading for the goal till the day he drew his last breath with what we got to do. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. There's one thing I do forgetting getting those things which are behind. If you got past sins, don't let that be an anchor or a impediment. you got to get rid of it. You confess it, you get on the firing line, and get back serving God again. You've all got stuff in the past you don't like, right? Cover it under the blood with real repentance. Real repentance. Genuine repentance. Get back on the firing line. Better not count on myself to have apprehended you, but this one thing of forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth those things which are before, he's stretching forth the goal line. You've seen the races when people just stretch out. Sometimes it's just a, uh, maybe just a second difference. The, the chest may hit the rope first they they win the race. When the other guy, maybe a tenth of a second later, he hits, he's, he's just number two. That's, the, that's what Paul's talking about. He's probably talking about. Brother, I count not myself to have apprehended, but there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before. I press through the mark. I press for the prize of the high calling God in Christ Jesus. And you know what that's going to be? Here's what I want. More than anything else, it's a reward. I'm not expecting a reward because I've been a good boy. Here's what I want. This is over in Matthew 25, 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear from Jesus Christ. What do you want to hear from Jesus Christ? You're going to see him of these days face to face. Salvation is by grace. But what do you want to hear when you see Jesus Christ? I hope I can hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Okay? All right, Now. Let's go ahead and read the context over here in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read several verses. I'm going to preach on verses 1 and 2. And the, the, here's the, the, the uh, title again, The Christian Marathon. The Christian Marathon. Let's read a few verses. I'm getting the right book here for us. I'm telling all Corinthians. All right, let's go. I just love this text. I love the whole thing here. These first two verses are one of my favorite two verses in the Bible. Wherefore, see, we also compacted about with so great a kind of witnesses. Those are the ones in Hebrews 11. We also have them around about us. Faithful people who serve God. He's really got reference here. Primarily, the wonderful saints in Hebrews 11 who served God under varying circumstances. Some had it easier than others. But all of them were overcomers by the faith that God gave them. So we got witnesses. You know, the devil wants to isolate us. We can think we're the Long Ranger. If he can get you isolated like that, he can damage your morale. But we know other people in the same race, and that's one reason we have a church. God had, he chose the ecclesia of the assembly that we might encourage each other. I'm glad I'm not running this race by myself. We need to be encouraging each other as we run this race and helping each other as we run this race. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassionate about the so great a cloud of witnesses, left less side of every weight, I'll talk about that in a minute. And the sin which is so easy beset us, left run with patience, that's endurance, the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despite the shame, is sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Every clause in there is good. <laughs> if I really preach this thing, it could take two hours, or I won't do that. Just those two virtues. So you do some meditating on these two verses and chew on them, see so what you can get out of them. For consider him that endured such contradiction of standard against himself. See, he's talking about, we're going to have a tough time running this race, we look at Jesus Christ who had a tough time, but you guess who run the only perfect race? Christ ran the only perfect race. God gave Jesus Christ a race to run, he ran it and he crossed the goal line, complete success. Isn't that wonderful? We need to emulate him and we run our race. For consider him that endured such great contradiction of sinners against himself, that ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So the danger, we could become weary and faint in our minds. Anybody want to amen that? Sure you can. We become weary, don't we, and faint in our minds. I've had some things on my heart lately, some real prayer needs almost bore me down. But I'm glad I'm praying. Night and day, I'm groaning and praying for several situations. I don't want to get tired about that. But you can't easily, my friend, fight yourself because your flesh is the worst enemy you've got. And then the devil and the world system, we got a lot of enemies. We could become weak and faint in our minds. We can't do that. That's what he's giving us the example of our precious Savior. Don't tell me. I know. I can see some of your faces. You know what I'm talking about. I can see the faces. You identify that with that, Brother Zach. You have not yet resisted unto blood, uh, unto striving against sin. Now, we haven't yet. They haven't either. We're not martyrs yet. May it never be. Who knows? I don't know whether it ever have political and uh, physical persecution or not. But they, he said, you hadn't done that yet. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you and unto children. This comes out of Proverbs. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint without rebuke of him. When God chastens us, sometimes things happen to us we don't like. That's the chastening hand of God. Now remember this, that's not a punishing hand. God does not punish his children, he chastens his children. God, listen, God lets you go so far for your child God. He lets the wicked, he gives them a grieved slide into hell. I can prove that to you are several scriptures. The wicked have a grieved slide into hell. Sometimes they prosper, they have great health, great money, they can become arrogant, everything's doing great, they don't answer to anybody. God won't let that happen to his children. Right sooner or later, God knows how to move us to heal, and I'm glad he does. Your nature is so sinful, don't know how far you go if God didn't put some roadblocks in the way. You all think, well, I'm better than that. No, you're not either. You're a sinner, my friend. You've got a sinful nature, and if God did not help you by chastising you and training you, no tell where you would wind up. That's why he gave the apostle Paul the thorn in the flesh that's a very grievous thing. He prayed three times, God, please get rid of this thing, Lord, so I'm not going to do it, Paul. And when Paul realized why well, God did that, then he said, I glory in my tribulations. I glory in my tribulations. God, you did me a favor by doing that. So some of you today may have some things happening to you. You don't consider them to blessings. They'll be the best blessings you've ever had. So there are two ways you react the wrong way. Don't do it either way. Don't despise the shaking of the Lord. That is kind of just brush it off. And also don't faint under it. See, we can go one way or the other, couldn't we? We can kind of put on a stoic face. So I'm just going to grip my teeth and get it out. That's the spidey in the chesty of the Lord. Don't do that. The other is, we might faint under those tribulations. I'm kind of a fainting type. That's what I do. You know, if I don't have a perfect life, oh, God doesn't love me. Isn't that kind of stupid? i got a great life, my friend. Get a hangnail. And oh, I bet God doesn't love me. Are you all that bad? Hope not. We think we deserve a perfect life. No, I deserve perfect health forever and ever and ever. I want to live as long as a Bethulah. 969 years without perfect health. By the way, if Bethulah, do you think about that? No, I better get over that. He could, a, he could have spent 100 years learning Hebrew, 100 years learning Greek. <laughs> but I, but I'm not, we need to go to heaven, though. That's the best thing. That's the best 969 years. So don't think, if I don't despise them, or will find what I do. Get this. For whom, the, actually, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. I preached last time on the scourge. And he was, there's the Jewish scourge, not the Roman scourge. The Roman scourge are deadly. The Jewish scourge was not, but it still hurt. My friend, God, you know, it's a hard whipping. A, God knows how to get a hard whipping. If you love your children, you don't abuse them, but sometimes they got have a hard whipping. I had a faithful mother and father. Sometimes they gave me a hard whipping. It's a good thing they did. No tell where I wound up. God sometimes gave you a hard whipping. He knows how to do it. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteth, and scourgeth every, one, every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God doeth with you and with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteth not? Every child of God receives some chastening. And I'll tell you the purpose in a minute. But if you be that chastisement, well, all are protectors, then you badgers and not sons. You're not even a child of God. Furthermore, we, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. I did, my daddy gave him reverence. I don't know whether you did your daddy or not. I was not a rebel. I tried to, when my daddy got a hold of me and spanked me, I tried to take it and respect him as he did that. Shall we not much more be subjected to the father of spirits and live? So my friend, let's learn how to say, Lord, I, thy will not mine be done. I don't like this. Lord, it hurt me real bad. You can tell him that if we're legitimate to do so. But Father, there's a reason for this. Help me know what the reason is. Help me learn my lesson. I may be closer to you. For they really, for a few days, chased us after their own pleasure. That doesn't mean they were a sadist. It means they did the best they knew how to do. But he, for our profit, get this. We, for our profit, get this now. I want to hammer on this. We may be a partaker of his holiness. God intends for you and I to live holy lives, not perfect lives, but holy lives. We live in a world today where that's almost gone among professed Christians, a holy life. We're way too casual in our speech, in our dress, in our conversation, in our thought life. God wants us to live holy lives. God knows how to win us away from the pleasure of this world. So that's why he gives us these chastisements sometimes. Our God wants us to be a partaker of his holiness. Now no chastening to the present since the joyous. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not a game. But grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. When you look back on it, you'll say, God, that was good for me. I didn't like that. I remember one time we had our school here. It kind of tickled me. But Jimmy Barber was one of our teachers. And he was a pretty strict disciplinarian. One time he gave old Justin Hufford a spanking, a good one, and he had it coming too. And later right on old Justin, he said, "Well, Jimmy, thank you, I really needed that. <laughs> the team wife where he said that. you tell God that sometime. Lord, thank you, I really needed that. After it yieldeth the more pitiful fear of righteousness, unto them they're exercised thereby. So my friend, what I'm saying is this be exercised there, but that's the way you do it. You don't despite it, you don't fight under it, you're exercised by it. You start to say, God, I want to get close to you. I want to spend more time in prayer and self-examination. What are you trying to tell me, Father? And so you don't get discouraged by that and faint, see? I'll uh, keep reading a couple more verses and I'm going to get out of contact. And make straight past your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather, but rather let it be healed. Well, follow peace with all men, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. He's not talking about the essential holiness here that every child of God has. He means practical holiness. If you don't have some degree of practical holiness, it means you're not born again. That's all there is to it. If you don't have some degree of practical holiness, it means you're not born again. If you be indifferent to sin, my friend, you have no evidence you're a child of God. We can get hard sometimes. I'll admit that. David got hard, didn't he? David committed adultery. And then he commit kill or you and evidently he just coo coo till God set that prophet down there. God has sent a prophet to use one or another. He will not let his children live in sin. My friend, it's serious business to serve the Lord. I crut by precious Savior told us in the Philippian letter, work out your own salvation. How? With fear and trembling. For it's God was working in you with the will to do his good pleasure. It's serious business serving God. I need to remind myself of that. Because I got a sinful nature. I can get indifferent to sin if I don't be careful. All right, y'all keep praying now. I can't go too long, but i got a lot to say. So I won't say too much, maybe. Let's go back to our text, and let's be in prayer, and hope that God doesn't make an impact on us. I don't want to just you a lecture. I want this to be a sermon. The Holy Ghost takes it to our hearts. I mean, my heart also. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassionate by with so great in a cloud of witnesses, let us last out every way, the sin which us will eat him instead of us. That's wrong with patience. The rest is set before us. Looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. All right, let's talk about every clause. Every weight. A weight may not necessarily be an overt sin, but my friend, a weight is everything that hinders us from fully serving God. We've all got them. So I'm going to give you a few examples. Maybe you can examine yourself. What's keeping you from serving God with all your might? Well, with me, uh, it's stuff like this. Disorganization. I'm disorganized. Dis- 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 That's not funny. Uh, I, I guess I got a cartoon in my office that geez, made me take it down. Uh, it said, uh, my theme is uh, a place for everything, everything all over the place. I got another one that says, used to say, if you're not fairly confused, you'll understand the situation. That's kind of funny in a way. But see, it hindered me get things done. I kept myself often spending too much time on YouTube. I hate to admit that. I told you that before, you keep praying for me. I don't watch nasty stuff. I get hooked on the war in Ukraine. I get hooked on some kind of an intellectual lecture or something like that. And it's okay to do that. I'm not being a fag. But if you overdo it, if it hinders me from serving God, you've got a guilty conscience, you need to work on that. What do you have bothering you? Now, let me read you some things that John Gill said. I thought he said it so well, I said, I'm going to read this to the folks. Last side, every weight. That's the weight, now. I haven't got the bestating sin yet. Pay attention. This is practical. You need this. Worldly cares, riches, we all got cares. We gotta take care of stuff. We can get obsessed with it though. Riches. Honors. I put things down this, I added this in here. Hobbies. It's okay to have a hobby. But I've seen people have a hobby, and obsessed them. Recreation, it's okay to be, to have a vacation. It's okay to well, I'll think to go on one, Lord willing. But my friend, some people, that's all they want to do is spend a vaca- vacation. They retire. That's all they do, I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the rest of my life on vacation. It's not wrong to have a boat. Well, I can't have a boat. You know why I can't have a boat? I ain't got time for a boat. Most people go boating on Sunday. I ain't got time. I go to church on Sunday. Many of you are in the same boat. That's kind of funny. <laughs> boat. <laughs> I didn't plan that. <laughs> I don't know a lot of you are in the same category I'm in. It's okay to have a cabin somewhere. But my friend, if you spend all the time at the cabin away from God, there's something wrong with that. See what I'm saying? Camping, it's okay to go camping, but all the time on Sunday? Well, it's a flood out there in the woods. I like the woods. But here's what Gil says. Also, worldly care, riches, and honors are not immoderately pursued. I told you I don't want to be a fanatic. You've got to be your own judge. But immoderately pursued. It's okay to pursue some of these things, but not immoderately. At a rate depressing the mind to earth, and a great hindrance in the work and service of God, and therefore to be laid aside, not that they are to be entirely rejected, say he got a good balance too, and not cared for and used, but the heart should not be set upon them or be over anxious about them. The old Gil was pretty good back in his day, wasn't he? So the weights. let's out every weight. My friend, what's the weight? Examine ourselves often. How close are you to God? How are you in your Bible reading habits? How are you in your church going habits? How are you in your praying habits? We need to examine ourselves. What's really important? And there's some things or weights that I need to lay aside. The devil got all kinds of great weights. And my friends, sometimes they feed us because they're not sinful in themselves, perhaps. But the Bible said that, did it not? Who's going to run a marathon, my friend, carrying weights? Who's going to run a marathon wearing boots, see? Or okay, carrying some kind of... Who's going to run a marathon with a backpack on? That's what we try to do too often. And the sin which is what Elias said us. Okay, I'm what Gil said about that. We all have different besetting sins. Some things that you do wouldn't bother me a bit. I'm not even interested in them. Some things I do, you would be interested in it. Some sins, some people are given to different sins. We're all given to sin. But you need to examine yourself and see what kind of string do you have the devil can pull on you. And the one reason you need to live right is when you mess up and live wrong, the devil's got a bunch of strings he can pull on. You've got bad memories of stuff you've done. that may come back to you. So I can't kid, kid you young people, you live right. Don't you do anything that the devil can work on you later in your life. Keep your mind as pure, and your body as pure, and your habits as pure, as you possibly can. Okay, here's what Gil said about the, What he is most inclined to is most easily drawn into the commission of. He calls them constitutional sins. Some people have never had a drink in their life. Some people love drinking. So forth, and some people smoke. Some people never smoke. That, that, you know, that's just a, uh, you, you think anything. So I, I'm just going to read that. I'm acting the Holy Ghost to make it real to you. Let out every way the sin which was even set us. And then he says, with patience, my friend, patience. That's the word means, endurance. It literally means to remain under a burden. hip Under a burden. Now, I'm going to read you some things about marathons. I know, I can, I, this, this is pretty good, I think. Because uh, this is a marathon race. We know right now a marathon is 26, two miles. Rare, mar- the original marathon is 150 miles. Well, Phaedipides dropped dead. He said, rejoice, we conquered. But our life is a marathon. It's not a hundred yard sprint. It's a marathon. It takes patience. So let me read you a couple of things I thought might help you. Just maybe just get your mind going. On a real marathon. I, to, I got this out of a commercial pill a long time ago. Nicole DeBoom, winner of the women's division of the Memphis in May Marathon in 2004. Let me tell you what she said. I thought this was good. I thought so. I got a copy of this many years ago. With improved running, her only competition in this final mile of the race was her mental state. Sometimes that's our competition in our mental state. The devil tried to grind us down in the mind. For me, it's always a challenge to stay positive. Listen, this is pretty good stuff. Now, Bible is pretty good stuff. It's a challenge to stay positive. The whole race, and not let the negative thoughts creep in. That I can give you a Bible on that. Finally, build want to think are true, honest, just, and so forth. Think on these things. If I let my mind be on negatives all the time, it's going to hinder me of my race. I need to have my mind on good things. No matter, what you're going, no matter what, you're going to feel bad at some point during the race. And we will, my friend, feel bad many times in our race. Some people have an uh, unrealistic view of the Christian life. It's fun, isn't it? It's joyful. Great joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. But we all know we have to really tough time in life. No matter what, you're going to feel bad at some point in the race. Today, the last two or three miles of the race, I wanted to be done. You ever feel that way? I want to quit. You will want to quit? I've wanted to quit before. I've wanted to quit. The devil wants me to quit. I want you to quit too. She stayed strong and needed to since she was being ch- chased by the bad man. It's real name, bad man. It's a lady who is regarded as the world's best triathlete. That was in the commercial appeal on May 24th, 2004. I thought it might be good to read that. Let me read you something else. This is I won't read too much. This is called Hitting the Wall. I did research on marathons. Hitting the Wall. The 26 two-mile marathon is a challenging running event because of its duration. After two hours of running by the 20-mile mark for fast runners, the body run to our carbohydrates. We can get a lot out of this, can't you? In glycogen. We're going to run out of stuff too if we don't replenish ourselves, aren't we? Just try. Just try so God don't read the Bible this week. Give it a try. No, don't do that. <laughs> go ahead and give it a try. Get, go ahead and give it a try. Don't, don't get in the Bible. Don't make yourself in the Word of God. No, just leave it alone. See how fast you pass out. Don't look at the water of life. Go ahead. Just, just say that you're not doing it. Because of its duration, after two hours of running, by the 20-mile mark for a fast runner, the body runs out of carbohydrates and glycogen that stored energy in the muscles. Begins burning fat stores in the body for fuel. Runners call this hitting the wall. I think sometimes Christians, we hit the wall too. Now I'm going to read one more paragraph. When you hit the wall, you may experience feelings of severe weakness, fatigue, confusion and disorientation. You might feel slow, heavy, and weak if you keep going. Physical, ex- physical exertion becomes increasingly difficult. You may even start to experience muscle trembling and shaking, sweating, and lack of coordination. You see what I can do with all that, can't you? And what do you do with it, too, in your mind. If you put some spiritual application on that. My friend, we get to feel pretty bad sometimes, don't we? I know you do. I know I do. We're in a marathon. Remember, patience the race that is set before you. Remember, an entire life in a race. I'm going to read you what Paul said at the end of his life. You're going to have a finish line of these days. That's going to be a great time, but I'm going to read you what Paul said. I wish I could say this to some extent at least. He had a tough life. He had a good life, but a tough life. Don't ever say, I wish I was like the Apostle Paul. Don't. You won't spend a lot of time in jail. You'll get beaten about eight or nine times. Uh, you want people hating your guts and trying to kill you all the time. Well, if you, you, that's what Paul had to put up with. He did it willingly because he loved the Lord. We may not have the same exact problem. We will have problems. We serve God. Let me tell you something. The Bible says, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's the word of God. 2 Timothy, Timothy 4.7 I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is a crown of righteousness waiting for me. Not for me Only all of them that love the Lord you're going to have a finish line so he says that's a race but then here's how we run it here's the key looking to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith that's how he made it you've got to keep your eyes on the Lord some people pray today and it really made me feel good because it's other things I want to say anyway this is so practical looking to Jesus let's look at the two of scripture scriptures I'll turn to them read them let's look at Colossians looking to Jesus look, keep your eye on the goal Keep your eye on the goal. Colossians chapter 3. I'll read some more. Read two or three scriptures. Listen, this is practical. You might have to memorize some of these. We're running with patience. The rest is set before us. Looking to Jesus. If the author of finisher of our faith. He's at the goal line. I'll cross the goal for you probably. I don't know. I'm probably the oldest guy here. I think I'm old Larry Stanley, I believe. I'm not as good looking at Larry. I wish I was a good looking at old man like he is. I'll well, tell you what, folks. we got a goal we're going to go to. Let's keep our eyes on the goal. This life don't last forever. I don't want it to last forever. Do you? I'm not ready to go yet unless God wants me to come, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm out here one of these days. I'm out here one of these days. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And by the way, he set the example. Well, I'll finish that verse, there. I'll go and read you some scripture. I want you to get on. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despite the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. My friend, what kept Christ going? Now he was a man. He's a God man. He's a sinless man. But what kept Christ going? The joy that was set before him. That horrible cross he endured. He's thinking of the joy was set before him, this will be over. I'll be completely victorious and everybody I die for, I'll have with me in glory. I've done the Father's will. The joy set before him. That's why Jesus Christ made it as a man, the God-man. The joy that was set before him. Endured the cross, despite the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now let's go to Colossians. Maybe you make, make a mental note of two-three scriptures I give you. Two-three scriptures only looking to Jesus, is what my theme is right now. All right? Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Write these down now. This is looking to Jesus. This is not just, this is this is truth. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Have you done that lately? Have you thought about heaven? Have you thought about the place where Jesus Christ is right now the right hand of God? Well, if you did not done it, get on it and start thinking about that. Every day think about that a little bit. Set your affection. Your affection. What's your affection set on? Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It's okay to enjoy the things on the earth. In fact, Christ did not kill joy. He has given us richly all things to enjoy, but moderately, not immoderately. Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. A lot of people are they their on things on this earth, but they'll be taken away from them. Every mansion, you know, over in, in Nicaragua, we got to see on a high elevation this incredibly beautiful home. Even had a helicopter pad on top. And one of the men who put Daniel Ortega, this terrible dictator, that's where he at home. But guess what? He got COVID and died. Doing a lot of good now, isn't it? I don't care how the richest man in this world, my friend, who it is. It's a, he's limited in how long he's going to be able to enjoy stuff like that. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You are dead. Not—not not We say, I don't sing I'm dead, brothers. I still love sin. You, if you're born again, you're dead. What I mean by that is, you're different from somebody who's not born again. You can't give yourself over to sinful pleasure. You can enjoy it for a season, but you cannot do it like an unregenerate would. You can't do that. God won't let you do it. His nature's in you. Set your affection on faith above and on the of the earth. You're dead. Thank God you're dead. And your life is here with Christ and God. Isn't that, that's pretty safe, isn't it? Isn't that safe? My life is here with Christ and God. I'm in the Father's, in the Christ's hand, and he's in the Father's hand, Said over in John. I'm pretty safe, and you're pretty safe too. Think about that next time you get in trouble and get down. Now, the, even the best of all, is at verse 4. When Christ, who is our, your life, he's your life, shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's go to Second Corinthians four. Y'all write these down. I got three of them for you. It doesn't take long to write three of them down, does it? Look at Second Corinthians chapter four. Here's how we make it. Here's how we make it. The Christian marathon. Here's how we do it. Second Corinthians chapter four. I thought of verse sixteen. It's a great context, but this is the immediate context. For which cause we faint not. Here again, the a possibility of fainting, but we won't. For which cause we faint. He talks about a whole bunch of troubles here in this chapter, if you want to get the context. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Now, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our men perish, and my brothers and sisters, our men are perishing. Our bodies are perishing. My body is perishing. Yours is too. You young people may not believe that, but you wait a little while. You'll see. You know, yesterday, I kind of had an example of that. I went down to the cleaners, and I walked in there kind of sheepishly. I said, you know what? I'm getting kind of old. I think i got two churches here. I don't remember what I do or not. And so she said, yeah, you got to be here. I think so. she said, I walked out. I, I said, sister, you stick around. While it's going to get worse. My, my outward man is fainting. It's fainting. It's perishing. But hallelujah. But the inner man is renewed. Day by day. That's how you make it through the marathon. yet get refreshment day by day. Our of affliction is not light to us, but it is from God's perspective. Would you look for a moment? Working for us a far more exceeding eternal way of glory. Get this verse, 18. While we look not as the things which are seen, the things which are not seen, the things which are seen are temporal. The thankers are not same are eternal. One more. 1 John chapter 3. Let's look at that. This is not to illustrate the point. Looking to Jesus. God the fancy of our faith. Looking to Jesus. I'm going to look to uh 1 John. That's what I said 1 uh, John chapter 3. Look at this. Three verses. Three verses. I remember my dear pastor that baptized me. E.C. Hole preached on this all the time. Behold. He'd lay on behold for a while. Take notice. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Oh, that's glorious. Look it. How does that affect my life? Now look at verse 3. And every man that hath his hope in him purifies himself in his pure. All right, let me finish up here. Looking to Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. For the joy that sat before him endured the cross, despite the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. That's our goal. But now let me talk just a minute about the cloud of witnesses. We're, we're, we're surrounded by cloud of witnesses. And I've seen some marathons, and y'all have too. I've never been in a marathon. Don't intend to get one. Not even a half marathon. I might walk the five k there, I'm going to walk. You hear me? Uh, but anyway, what what we got to encourage you other, hadn't we? All right. I've stood by the wayside and watched the marathoners, and they got these hydration stations. We need to be Christian hydration stations. I see a brother or sister come along, my friend looks like they're famished, I need to hand them some of the water of life, no no. That's what they do at these hydration stations. They give them cups of uh, Gatorade and stuff like that. They maybe give them a, some kind of a nutrition bar, or something like that. And they give them words of encouragement. We need to give each other words of encouragement. You can't imagine what it does to me when a brother or sister give me a word of encouragement. It just I, my, my step gets lighter. I just feel good. We need to learn how to encourage each other and stand up for each other, what we need to do. But anyway, that cloud of witnesses, I have some imagination, so I'm going to close with this. So bear with me for a minute. I think it's kind of fun to do this. You do the same thing. I'm just making like the old Noah and Abraham and Moses are standing there for that cloud of witnesses. So here I am running the old marathon, and I'm going to see what they're going to say to me, okay? Here's old Moses and Abraham. Here's Noah and Abraham, these two. Noah and Abraham, ready? Noah had a tough time in the flood. Abraham had a pretty hard time. He had to go out to a place where he knew not. So Noah where you and Abraham are going to say, that, I'm running this old race. The stand beside you're going to hand me something. Where are you going to hand me, Noah? Where are you going to hand me Abraham? Just be obedient. Even though you don't understand what you're asked to do, it may take a long time for results. I've never seen it rain before Noah says, You tell me to build an ark, it'll take me a hundred years to build that ark, he'd build the ark. Just be obedient. Abraham, you go to, I want you to go somewhere. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Where, where am I going? I don't know. Just, just go. God has purpose. for If I say God has got things in your life, you may not understand what God's telling you. Let, let these guys talk to you. Be obedient. Do what you're told by God. And he'll make it plain in his own good time. Oh, Abraham. He, he's, he's going to give me two balls of water. Oh, Abraham is. Remember that this world is not your home. Look for that heavenly home. Your most severe trials may come at the end of your life. He can tell both those two things. Abraham looked for a city which had foundation, whose built and maker is God. But he also had his toughest trial at the end of his life. God said, Abraham, I want your only begotten son. Take him on Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. My friends, sometimes God's children have their worst trials at the end of their life. Sometimes they're physical trials. they are other kind of trials. That's what he could tell us. And all Moses don't indulge in sinful pleasures, which only last for a season. Keep your spirits, spiritual eyes, on Him who is invincible. He said that Moses endured as seeing Him who is invincible. He refused the advances of, of the well. That's that's Joseph thief. talk talked to us, couldn't he? He refused the advances of, of this ungodly woman, and and um, also back to Abraham. I mean, to, to uh, Moses. He said he chose rather to suffer affliction the people of God to endure to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And all right, now here's one, I don't know who this is, but there've been a lot of them. The one who suffered terribly, enduring persecution and even death. Here's what, what's he gonna say to us as we stand by and one of the witnesses? It was all more than worth it. We're glad. We had been enabled to be faithful and we saw the approving smile of our master at the finish line so let me read you those two verses again seeing we also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us run with patience the rest of the let us out every way in the sin which of any beset us let us run with patience the rest is set before us looking to jesus the author of the of faith and Go ahead and chew on the scripture. Don't just do the sermon. Read them yourself. Meditate on them. They'll do you good.